Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. Recording as always in the Carl Chevrolet Studios in Ankeny. If you're looking to buy a new or pre-owned vehicle, it's Carl Chevrolet in Ankeny or Carl Chevrolet of Stewart. CarlChevrolet.com, CarlChevroletStewart.com. They always have all kinds of deals at the holidays. If you're looking to buy a new vehicle as we head into the winter, maybe you need to get a new truck. Trying to get around a little bit better in the snow. They'll eminently be coming in January. Then Carl Chevrolet in Ankeny, Carl Chevrolet and Stewart is the best place in central Iowa to do that. On today's podcast, we're joined by former Iowa State graduate assistant Nick Graham. Nick has been on the podcast a couple times. Obviously, we last time we talked to him, he was talking about his new book that is still slated to come out in early 2020. At the end of the podcast, he tells us a little bit about a new venture that, that he's involved in that hopefully we're going to be able to bring to you here at Cyclone Fanatic over the next couple months as well. But mostly we just talk about Iowa State basketball because Nick pays a lot of attention to the Cyclones still. He knows a lot of the guys on the team and he pays a lot of attention to basketball around the entire Big 12. So we get Nick's thoughts on the way that the season has began for Iowa State how the Cyclones can kind of move forward here over the next several weeks leading into Big 12 play, and then how he sees them sliding in with some of these other teams around the Big 12. So without much further ado, here is my conversation with Nick Graham. We're joined now on the Cyclone Fanatic podcast by Nick Graham. What's up, man? How's it going? I'm good, man. No much, man. Just down here, down here in Dallas, living a good life, man. Yeah, man. That sounds nice. I'm sure it's a lot warmer there than it is uh, here in Central Iowa today. Yeah, actually, uh, it was it was like 70 yesterday. It's a little cooler today, so but yeah, nonetheless, I'm sure it is a little warmer here than it is up there. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like 20 here, and that might even oh, be no. on the high end. So, uh, I yeah, I don't miss that. Man. Yeah, 70 sounds pretty nice. I'm, I'm not going to lie. But uh, we're going to talk about the Iowa State basketball season here uh, so far through 10 games. Two games left in the, the non-conference slate. Well, technically three games, I guess, if you include the Auburn game in January. But uh, two games left in, in the 2019 non-conference portion of the schedule. And, you know, you and I have talked a lot really over the last week or so just about what this team has kind of been able to do through these first 10 games. And... You know, I think the thing that that we've kind of come to a, a conclusion a little bit is that, you know, there's been a little bit of a struggle of putting some guys into some positions to really to really have the the most success that they possibly can um, is, you know, would you be would you agree in that assessment? That's that's kind of what we've been able to, to come to. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, obviously, like, I, and I think it's to be expected. I mean, you lose so much. And I think that when you look at, at last year's team, um, you know, like I talked to you off air, you know, you can't count on very rarely do you get uh, a transfer that comes in and has the impact of a Mario Shire. And I'm not even just talking about on the court. I'm talking about off the court. I mean, the culture that he won came from, like he just kind of, you know, just he didn't even fit right in. A lot of times you get a transfer, you want to fit in. He, like, stood out and he became a leader, a silent leader with his work ethic. I've never seen anybody, uh, I should say never, there's, a, there's about two or three people that I've seen that has the work ethic that he did. I knew he was going to be a pro. 
so very rarely do you have somebody that comes in with that kind of work ethic, that work ethic, leadership, values, and, and somebody that is as good a player as he is. You know, so I think that you can get spoiled into thinking that's what it's going to be when you say, okay, we got a transfer sitting out and, and, you know, different things like that. And that's just one example. You know, you guys, I would say, lost, you know, so much. So I think that, you know, you would think or you would assume that you're going to take time to, to you know, kind of figure yourself out and figure out how you're going to reinvent yourself. And this, to me, like this team is uh, – the first team that really struggles to, to score from the perimeter. So you got to figure out, you know, how is this team going to uh, pave his way of being successful? Yeah, and that's where, you know, when you look at that team that Iowa State had last season where you had, obviously, Mariel Shayok, and then you've got Taylor Horton Tucker and Linda Wigginton, uh, Nick Weiler-Babb, yeah. uh, as well yeah. as Tyrese Halberton, all those guys that were, you know, really capable of creating – their own shot and and finding their own offense and it seems like this year's team just doesn't it just doesn't have that same level of of I don't even know the you know coach Brom talks about finding you know long guards that can put the ball on the deck and it's not that these guys aren't skilled it's not that Prentice Nixon or Rajir Bolton or anybody is you know I'm not trying to say that they're they're bad players or anything like that they're just different players right and right and I think that that's that's where you've seen them almost this season. It's like they want to continue to play the way that they did before, but you just don't have the guys on this roster, and that's because of just the construction of the roster that can really fill into the, the roles that uh, that it takes to, to play that style. No, I mean, I don't think I, don't think I could have said it uh, any better. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, the way that, you know, just being around Coach Plum and then just the last two years of just watching the Big 12 and obviously I'm always going to watch watching Cyclones. You know, the way that he wants to play, he doesn't necessarily have the guys that allow them to do that. You know, that, you know, like when you talk about going from... I think that a lot... Uh, when you talk about Nick Babb, I think that a lot of the things that he did goes unnoticed. I mean, he's one of... I've been around basketball a long time and he's one of the smartest, you know, players that I've ever been around, you know, so you take all those creators that you mentioned, and then now you have Nick Babb as your primary ball handler, and now, now Tyrese is in a situation where he's a secondary player, where he's able to attack long closeouts, and they get the defender in rotation, and, you know, he's able to make a play off that, where, you know, all that's done, and it's, you know, now you go from having multiple creators, which would be, you know, the way that Coach Brown wants to play, you know, with a lot of, you know, perimeter players coming up cross screens and making good decisions, spacing the floor. you got guys that can shoot it, score it, and they make good decisions. Now you just you just don't have that. You don't have the experience. You don't have – and I don't think this is a slap in anybody's face, but when you talk about a roster where, you know, I think that who's up making good money playing professional basketball from last year's team mm-hmm. and while they're bad, and then, the, then you got the other three that are – you know, either in either in the NBA or on a cusp in the G League. So, yeah, and I think that that's you know where when you you look at what this team, what they could be the best at doing, and you know, I, I and we've talked about this a lot. You know, you and I talked about the the Seton Hall game, um, you know, off the air. But I think, you know, I think that the 
right now they 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 almost have to to pivot in a way and it feels like they've halfway done it and, and like they're they're half doing it like defensively the, they have the mindset that they or they know the mindset they need to have if they want to to be a, you know max out what this roster can do but at the same time you know when you look at some of the stuff that they're doing offensively and it's like they they can't like go all the way there I mean I I was just looking at Ken Palm and uh you know they're 10th nationally uh in in average possession length which you know is is kind of a arbitrary stat a little bit but you know when you're 31st in, in adjusted tempo and I think that this team you know they need to get out and run a little bit because it gives them an opportunity to create some easy baskets where you're getting some easy opportunities against a, an unset defense going towards the rim but at the same time I feel like defensively you know when you've got a guy like Prentice Nixon who played for Larry Eustachie uh, when you've got guys like Solomon Young and Michael Jacobson and if you're committed to keeping them in the starting lineup then you almost have to go to a style where it's like you show up every night ready for a fight and it's not like we're going to try and run around you we're going to run straight through you it's almost a uh, it's it's being Wisconsin rather than being Ohio State if that makes sense in football terms no, it makes it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's just got to be a grinder. Yeah, like I mean, if that's how you're built, because you know, uh, obviously, like Prentice um, is struggling um, on the offensive end, and I think that he'll get better. But at the same time, like he's more of a volume guy. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's what you're gonna get. But I think that his value is on the defensive side of the floor. I think that. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, even the second half of the Michigan game, Michigan game I think the first half of uh, the Michigan game, I felt like he was giving Simpson a little too much credit. But then he became the apprentice that, that I've seen. I, I mentor apprentice, apprentice, so I, I watch his games. But, you know, he went back to that, that junkyard dog, take away his space. I remember one position possession in particular against Simpson, and Simpson took like, I, mean, I want to say he may have took 20, 25 dribbles and Prentice was right there not letting him penetrate the three-point line. And then I think he carried that into the second season hall game for sure. And I feel like that is the big, the, the biggest reason um, why um, Iowa State was able to win that game, his, able to, his ability to just relentlessly just defend really good players and just be bothersome. It's one thing to just, you know, contain a good player, but he was preventing – uh, he was preventing players from getting to their spots and just picking them up and denying them out and all that. And to do that, I think that, like, one, you have to take his his shooting percentage. Um, you have to factor that in because it, I don't think we really appreciate what it means to be a two-way player, but the energy that he's exerting on defense, it makes it hard to be a three-point shooter. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, I think that, that there's a reason that his, his stats are the way that they are, but yeah, to your point, when you have somebody on the perimeter that's going to do that, and then you have Solomon Young, who, you know, I take him and his post defense against anybody in the country, and you know you, you know what you're going to get in terms of the blue-collar uh, physical work ethic from, from Mike. You know, so when you take those three things, and now you have, that allows uh, Tyrese to play off the ball and use his length to get in passing lanes. I think that they have the DNA to really, really be a good defensive team, but and I think that's what they're going to have to be. No saying that teams past haven't, but I think that this is this team like that has to be their collar card. You know, like you said, like you may look in the box score and they they may win a game sixty one to fifty seven or even in the fifties. And I think that's just what it's going to have to be with this team, at least for right now. 
Yeah, and, and it's like it's like I said that you know the fact of the matter is like if you want to be a really great defensive team, it can't just be where you know one day you show up and you're like, all right, yeah, I think we're gonna play defense today. You know, it it's got to be a it's a mentality. I mean, where Virginia comes into every game. Like, and I'm not saying Iowa State has to be be Virginia by any means. Like, Virginia's defense is is on a completely different level. But you know, for them to be an elite defensive team, it takes that mindset that like I'm going to get pissed off if somebody scores on me, and uh, and and it's got to be where every single possession, like I'm I'm out there and I'm going to give everything that I've got on the defensive end of the floor for however long that I have to do it to keep my guy from scoring or to keep some or for to keep that ball from going in the basket. And and that's where when I talk about the average possession length, you know, it takes you exert a lot of energy on the defensive end if you're gonna play that way. You mentioned that. And and that's where I feel like sometimes where when, you know, they're playing defense for twenty five seconds and then you come down and you play offense for ten you know, that's going to catch up to you eventually. And, and that's, and that's where I feel like it, it's, there's been a lack of, of complimenting each other on each end. And, and that's where I say like, you got to kind of pick one. It's like, and especially if your offense is going to be anemic to the point that, that Iowa States has this year, uh, then, then it seems like there's a, a clear way that you should go about that unless some guys can, can make some serious improvements shooting the ball, which, you know, I guess they could, you know, they're all, they're all good players. Like I said, I think that their shots can go in, but you know, they just haven't done that yet. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. But you know, the other thing too is, is like when you establish yourself and kind of dictate tempo, especially like I said, when you have somebody like Prentice, that is somebody that can really get after you and heat the ball up, take your space away and, uh, you know, really disrupt and, and push those, push that primary ball handler out on the floor. You know, like, I don't know if you necessarily even have to defend that long mm-hmm. because, you know, most teams, you know, they're going to, you know, especially now, one, you know, you know, ever since they shortened the shot clock, but even now just the pace of the game is faster. So it's not – I don't even think that you have to – if you defend well, you don't necessarily have to defend for 25 seconds. It's just about are you going to force them to take, you know, contested shots, defend a three-point line and rebound. And I agree with you. I think that, you know – Especially Tyrese. Tyrese is obviously gifted, whether he's in the half court or the open court. But you know, I don't know about you, but I'm a huge fan of open court Tyrese. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's getting the ball and running, he can he can go at you know a fast pace and still be under control, make good decisions. You know, he can always get into the lane. You know, with his runner and just obviously penetrate, collapse the defense, and kick. And those are the type of shots that when you talk about teams that maybe and players that aren't necessarily like naturally pure shooters. You know what I'm saying? There's not a Mario Shyat type of shooter on his team. Well, like an okay shooter, an average shooter is a better shooter when they're shooting in rhythm. The, the, the shots that are that uh, generate the most rhythm are, are, you know, kind of kick out threes whether it's off an offensive rebound, but also when you have somebody that can literally have been proven this year can get a paint touch at will, and then kick it to you and put it right on you. Those are step up threes. So, like, I think that it's not. I think that by playing fast and getting Tyrese to get a piece of the paint early, you're you're creating not only threes but you're creating higher percentage threes, which I think is something that's really important for this team. You know, when you when you watch them, I don't think that they're. Uh, you know, besides Tyrese, I think that you know when you talk about threes, there's a lot of first side of the floor 
contestant off the bounce three pointer. And last year, when you go look at Liddell, like when he got in one of his streaks, or obviously, like when you go look at, um, you know, even even um, even Taylor. Taylor wasn't, you know, necessarily just a pure shooter, but he was a, a scorer and a streaky shooter and could get in streaks where he just was making them at a higher clip. But then you have somebody like Mario Shayak, where he's just gifted as seeing at the type of numbers he's putting up in the G League, where he could come down on the first side of the floor and he could, you know, what would be a tough shot for somebody else is a really good shot for him where this team is a little different in terms of the type of threes that they have. So I think that that factors into it as well. Yeah, and I think that's why when, you know, you saw in the second half where when Iowa State made their run and they put Tyrese into into the middle of their zone offense and, you know, they'd kick it into him and he'd kick it out and you see guys start to make the extra pass. And I know Prentice knocked down at least one three-pointer uh, in that stretch. I think that's even when T. Lou knocked down his shot. Uh, that was a little bit later yeah. in the game. But, um, but, but those were the kinds of things where, you know, when they built that offense almost all the way around Tyrese. Like the thing, the thing Tyrese obviously is a special talent. Like you mentioned, you know, him in the open floor. There was a play that he made in that Iowa game where, uh, where he, he made kind of a Euro step, a step around in the first half and, and turned it into a wide-open layup that – you know, kind of made you sit back in your seat like, oh, okay, like that's, you know, this this kid is, is a big time talent. And, um, you know, w- people feed off of the way that Tyrese Halliburton plays the game. I think you can see it. And, and that's why when, when, you know, I think they put him into the middle of that, of the offense and it, they made it really predicated around like, all right, we're going to let Tyrese do what he does and make something happen. And then you started to see Iowa State get a lot of really good shots and, and that's where it's like, how do we kind of harness that and make it happen throughout the throughout an entire game rather than just for like three minute stretches? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, and, and I told you this out there, I think that like that's not a, that's, you know, like Coach Brown, that's, that, I mean, he's saying the same thing. Like at yeah. some point, like the responsibility falls. You know, when you're, you're a player at this level, like you, you know what a big shot is and a bad shot is. And you have to be responsible. Like um, you can't, you can't have it both ways. Um, you know, Coach Chrome. One of the reasons that he's been successful in getting people to come play for him is because he gives uh, he gives offensive players a lot of freedom. You know, obviously, like you know that I'm a mentor and I, a counselor of sorts to like college basketball players all across the country. So <laughs> I spend my Sundays. You know, literally counseling players, uh, you know, that aren't playing, that are frustrated, just talking them through, you know, how to, you know, develop to, to, to deal with, you know, their situation. And the most common deal that I deal with is playing for a coach that, like, I make one mistake and I'm out of the game. I miss one shot and I'm out of the game. Well, like, when you get freedom as they get, you know, you have to be responsible. Like, oh, I know coach isn't going to take me out of the game. He's not going to rip me a new one. But... Also, like, this isn't a rhythm shot for me. This isn't a good shot for me. So, yeah, I think that, you know, it, it falls on, on the team to just work and be patient enough for those rhythm shots and then just be disciplined enough to take them. Yeah, and I, and I think it, you know, the next piece of things that, um, that I think kind of is going to need to be answered here over the next couple of weeks leading into and then, you know, over the, the beginning of Big 12 play is, you know, how do they continue to get George Condit involved in things uh, 
I think earlier in games for more extended periods of games. I mean, I, I, I have a hard time right now arguing against George being the second best player on this team. And yet he's only playing something like 16, 17 minutes a game. And, you know, in that Iowa game, it, it seemed like when they got down 16 to four, uh, they, there was a, they went into the media break and, and Chris Williams said to me, man, they're going to put George in and they're going to make a little bit of a run. Well, they didn't do that. Uh, and then I think it was another full, full two or three minutes before they put George in. And at that point, they're down 18 to four or, or, or worse. And, and it's kind of like, man, OK, well, you just let your second best player sit on the bench for, for however, however long. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and criticize. Coach Brom knows his team probably better than I do the personalities and stuff, but it just, for, as an outsider, it, it feels like they've got to figure out a way to get, uh, get that guy more involved in, in things and, and get him out on the floor and in positions to be successful more often than he has been. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm a, I'm a big fan uh, of George as other guys, but you know, I have a close relationship with, with George because I, I um, was there and helped with the recruiting process. And, you know, like, I think that that's one of those things, you know, as time moves forward, especially as you get in the Big 12, I think it'll kind of take care of itself. I think that there's, you know, been so many, you know, maybe, you know, moving parts, you know, with this team that, you know, you have somebody that has been in the program for three years and played a majority of the minutes, you know, so there's a comfort level, you know, with that. And so, you know, as time evolves, I think that, you know, with, you know, you can't ignore that production, and I don't think that they will. I think that, you know, Georgia find themselves, you know, playing more minutes if, if not, you know, being inserted into the, the starting lineup at some point. Yeah. All right, so I guess just kind of an overarching thing. How I, I know you've watched the Big 12 a lot. How do you feel about Iowa State going into – uh, going into that, like I mean, I mentioned before, there's still the two games before Big 12 play starts. But you know, what what's kind of your uh, your overall feeling about the team with Big 12 play right around the corner? Yeah, you know, so you know, you know, me. So I don't know. A lot of people probably don't know this, but I'm literally uh, not only just a basketball family, but a Big 12 family. So. Um, which was really special. The year that I was at Iowa State, my sister worked for the Big 12, and she created and did uh, sideline reports during the, during Big 12 games and created content. And she's a hooper, too. She's actually a better shooter than me. Um, and then my dad coached the, obviously, Oklahoma State went to the Final Four with them. So, like, we kind of have our own little, like, family uh, studio show kind of thing. Act like we're on. Uh, have our own ESPN show where we all have our takes and predictions and stuff like that. So we play, you know, we, we spend a lot of time like breaking down a big club just because we're nerds like that. But I think that what I told my dad was I think that the, this year is going to be fun because I don't know. He gives, he asks like every other day to predict the big 12. And I'm like, I have no idea. Not until these teams start playing each other because I think so much of this league, not, this year, not just with Iowa State, but a lot of teams, whether it's TCU, whether it's Oklahoma State, um, Oklahoma, um, Texas, it's going to be like the coach that can make the adjustments and the team that just kind of doesn't get too down during a low point and too high on a high point. I think that there's Iowa State obviously fits there. I think that after watching the Big 12, obviously you go Kansas, Baylor, and then, you know, maybe Texas Tech and maybe Oklahoma State after that, maybe. Um, 
But, yeah, I think Kansas and Baylor are going to be one and two. I think that Kansas, uh, I think that they're guarding better than they have in years past. They're, they've kind of recommitted themselves to defending. Um, obviously, they have issues in terms of turning the ball over the shoot. But, like, I think Doak, one, he lost all that weight. So he doesn't get in foul trouble there as much. He's a lot more mobile. And then I think that Baylor, one, they have size on the foot. They have size uh, down low. And then they have uh, perimeter creators. And it seems like they're just playing hard. I was impressed, obviously, with Texas Tech, how they came back and beat Louisville. And I think that when they get Ramsey back, you know, they'll kind of round in the shape. But in terms of Iowa State, I think the biggest thing is, is one, you know, what are, I think a lot of teams will probably try to play this zone. I watched the Iowa State, I mean, excuse me, the Oklahoma State-Houston game. Oklahoma State zone was really, really, really good. Um, so I think that figuring out how they're going to respond to a zone, um, obviously, like, their shooters aren't going to turn into, their wing players aren't going to turn into Mary Shyak, but they've got to make shots. At the end of the day, they've got to have people on the perimeter to make shots. So I think that, and then the last thing is, is like what you said, is accepting that their identity is not what it was last year. Their identity has to be blue-collar, hardcore defense. You know, that's what it has to be. Now, we're going to go through stretches where you know, we, we may not, you know, make we may go over whatever from three this half or this ten minutes, and we're ice cold and we're struggling to, to get things going. But and as long as we can guard and rebound one, like you said, you can generate uh, early offense, especially with somebody like Tyrese. I love you know, I, I, I love to see Tyrese. They did. I've seen a few clips where they did it earlier in the year. Like, remember how Steve Nash played for the Suns? Mm-hmm. Like, North Carolina, Steve used to play. Like, even after a bake, man, they're pushing it right back down his throat. Like you said, get one year, year two or three. You know, they're not the biggest guys in the world, but they can run. You know, you got George Condit. He can run when he's in there. You know, push the ball up the floor and get easier shots. But I told my dad, you know, like this year more than any, you know, if those guys bring it and play hard, I feel like them being Iowa State and having a fan base and being and having Hilton Coliseum is going to help them more than anything. Because I said, like, you go to a, a midweek game at TCU, or and it might be fifteen hundred people in there. So I think that like Iowa State's ability to actually have a home court advantage may boost them up uh, more the people that they're kind of tiered with. When you look at the things that on paper right now, I would say that they're competing against in terms of for position. You're looking at, I think, TCU. You're looking at Oklahoma. You're looking at Texas. You're looking at you know uh, teams like that. You know, And I think that they'll drop games at home where Iowa State, as long as they bring the effort, will have that, that home court advantage. So it should be fun. Absolutely. All right, man, before I let you go, do you uh, – well – I, I know we'll talk about this more in the future because, um, and we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll make some, uh, we'll talk about this more in the future. I'll put it that way. But, uh, cause I know we're going to be hearing more from you a lot here, uh, as big 12 play comes, uh, over the next couple of weeks. But do you want to talk at all about, about up sport before I let you go real quick? Oh yeah. So yeah, sure. I'd love to. So I've been obviously like you, I've, I've come on here and talk about like my book, um, uh, which is, 2020, early 2020, excited about that. But the other thing I've been doing for a year, and we're actually going to implement it right uh, to, to help you guys and do some cool breakdowns um, for the, the Big 12 games, just utilize the, the technology. But really what it's used for is 
for players to be or parents or high school coaches to be able to upload film. You know, one of the things, whether you're at Iowa State or any other program at that level, like our players are watching watching film of themselves with a coach a few times a week. And while I was at Iowa State, obviously, like I played and my dad was a coach, I already knew how important that was. But just being in that environment for that year, just realizing that the development process for young athletes is incomplete. You know, they can have the best coaches and best trainers in the world, but if they don't frequently have, you know, time to officially watch film, you know, with an, with an expert coach, they're never going to develop into the player that they're supposed to be. So I got with a client of mine, his dad, and we got together and started brainstorming about a year and a half ago. And we figured out a way to we develop a platform. Yeah, they just upload the film, record it, whether it's on an iPad, iPhone, or just get the, the film from the coach. They upload it. And then a, a coach that is coached at the professional or college level that's either between jobs, retired, or, you know, uh, they went to high school, so now they have some extra time, will be able to watch that film, provide audio voiceover. Um, they can either even illustrate on the screen they send it back to you. You can download it. You can share it on a link. So it's kind of our way of, you know, giving back to the game, being guardians of the, guardians of the game by developing IQ and young players. So really excited about it. Yeah, for sure. And we're really excited about it here too. I mean, like you mentioned, I, we're going to be doing that after the new year and um, people can – People should uh, should look forward to, to seeing that on Cyclone Fanatics. So, all right, man, appreciate you. Uh, always appreciate your insight and, and appreciate you taking time to talk with us. Yeah, no doubt, man. Have fun at the uh, at the at the bowl game down there in Disney World. I'll be watching down here in Dallas. Yeah, man, sounds good. Uh, I'm ready to get out of the cold. So you know, uh, you know, my ass will be posted up by the pool. All right, sounds good, man. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, guys, for listening to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic podcast. Don't forget about tonight's edition of the Cyclone Fanatic radio program from 6 to 7 on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. We'll be making our bowl picks as well as talking some Iowa State basketball with Brent Bloom, Chris Williams, and then we'll get plenty of college football from Nebraska Furniture Martin Clive's Tim Mullen. Tomorrow, Chris and I are going to record a bowl preview podcast, and he will also be doing his bowl betting extravaganza with Todd Kirk presented by DraftKings, the DraftKings Sportsbook up at Wild Rose Casino in Jefferson. And then after that, I'll be headed to Orlando. So I next time I'll talk to you guys after tomorrow, I will be sitting in a hotel room in Orlando, Florida, just ready to get out into the sun and away from the cold of the state of Iowa. So thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast. Thanks to Nick for giving us his expertise on the game of basketball. And we will be hearing plenty more from him here as we go through the Big 12 basketball season. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Everybody have a happy holidays, a Merry Christmas from those of us here at CycloneFanatic.com. And we will talk to you guys again soon.